Dangerous, super dangerous, slick and dangerous, or what? I made it here in one piece, Steely, and so did my car. I'm just glad you didn't end up slipping a disc or anything. It is hazardous man. weather for old people it out there. It is, man. I was very careful, but I made it in, and we're good to go. Welcome in, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. we got a ton of stuff to talk about. Big win for the Sooners at Cincinnati as they get ready for Texas tomorrow night at the LNC. The Thunder had a huge come-from-behind victory at Minnesota. That's one of the best wins of the year. We keep saying that about Oklahoma City. We had uh, the divisional round of the NFL. Baker and the Bucks come up short against the Lions. Niners take down Green Bay. Jordan Love, what were you thinking Saturday night? Baltimore took care of the Texans and the Chiefs. Uh, Bass is the new uh, Scott Norwood now, I guess, right, in Buffalo. Chiefs win 27-24, to 24. so we've got uh, conference championship games coming up this weekend. Kansas City at Baltimore, 2 o'clock on CBS. Lions at San Francisco, a 5.30 kick out in San Francisco on Fox, so we've got a lot of things happening. Kansas losing over the weekend at West Virginia. That was kind of cool. Cincinnati will play at Kansas tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Portal stuff brought to you by Swiftco Roofing and Construction to get into here in a little bit. But why don't we start today with Baker Mayfield. Lions win 31-23. Baker 26-41, 350 yards, three TDs, two picks. So on the year, Parker, 36 touchdowns and 12 picks for Baker Mayfield. Let's hope, you know how people are, Sooner fans are going to continue to support this guy. But you know how people are. Will their last memory be that interception, you know, that Baker threw when the uh, Buccaneers were trying to uh, drive to go tie and win the game or tie the game late in uh, regulation? Would that be their last memory for a lot of fans? I mean, of the season it, for Baker? Well, yes, certainly it's their last memory. Is it their defining memory of yeah, Baker? Yeah, that's and probably for, look the for me. Like, I, I'll be honest, Steely. I, my wife can attest to this. I was pissed off yesterday when the Bucks lost that game. Generally, when my team's season ends, I mean, I've experienced enough misery in my life as a Bucks fan that it really doesn't affect me all that deeply. But I think because Baker Mayfield is the quarterback these days, that made it a little bit tougher to take. Obviously, with Baker being the one that committed the decisive turnover, uh, that makes it even tougher to take. But... There is no doubt, if you watched the Bucks all season, you watched Baker all season, for me, as a Tampa Bay fan, Steely, I don't think there's any question who I want leading my franchise in the years ahead and leading them into a period where they may not have Mike Evans back next year. I'm hoping they do. I, it's certainly, if I'm Jason Light, the general manager, that's priority number one for me, is getting Mike Evans back in the fold on a long-term deal. But... End of the day, I don't know what that team is going to look like come week one of 2024. I know who I want at the quarterback position as a Bucks fan, though, and that is Baker Mayfield because there is no viable alternative as far as where the Buccaneers are going to be drafting or who might be available in the free agency market. I don't think there is a viable alternative that is, in my eyes, superior to Baker Mayfield. He played exceptional football and took a team that in the preseason was projected to get a top-five pick in the draft. That's how bad they thought they were going to be. They had upwards of $70 million in dead cap. He took them to a conference title, a wild-card postseason win, and the doorstep of playing for a spot in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, I, w- I would be really surprised if he's not back. By the way, folks, voice is struggling a little bit today. I've got a lot of congestion and stuff, so it's not going to sound very good. But uh, let's hear from Baker Mayfield first on the uh, Buccaneers' loss in Detroit yesterday. We felt like we were in it going into halftime, obviously, even game. Uh, and we felt like we were in it up until the last drive. And so, yeah, I mean, it sucks. I feel like my heart just got ripped out. But it's football is a complex game, but it's also simple. It comes down to taking care of the ball. And in two-minute drives like that, when you know you're going to have four downs to use, um, just a, a bad, bad mistake by me. And... It sucks because I know what type of group we've had all year that we fought to get to this point. We fought to be in that game. We weren't supposed to be here by any measures, but we believed in each other and we fought for it. And so, um, yeah, this this one's going to weigh on me for a while. There you go, Baker. After the game, he also said in his press conference that obviously he hopes to be back with the Bucks with a brand new deal. I love this group. I said that all year, and it's that's authentic. I mean that. And so. Um, it would mean a lot for me to, to, to bring back a lot of key pieces to, to get this back together and um, to get it in year two in the system. That there, you can make huge strides. And so I would love that. Obviously, who knows how it's going to play out. But um, can't say enough about this organization for the opportunity they gave me this year. And so just thankful. And so uh, hoping, hoping it works out. There you go. And uh, you mentioned Mike Evans. Obviously, uh, the first pick yesterday was was on Mike Evans, as Big Rich uh, said in the on the text line, the Kadipa Myers Chevrolet text line. And uh, but Mike Evans had a really good year. He had some drops certainly, but uh, he and Baker had uh, pretty good chemistry and quite the connection. Mike Evans, after the game yesterday, said he would love to be back as well with Baker. Baker's a hell of a player, and he showed everybody that he's criminally underrated. And uh, you know, I was happy when we signed him. Uh, I knew he'd be a, a great player for us. How much do you want him back next year? I mean, he's, he, he played his way into a, a big contract, I, I believe. Um, so we'll see. There's going to be a lot of – it's early. We just we just lost, so I'm really just thinking about that. But in the offseason, you know, hopefully we can all you know, come back together and do it again. There you I go. need the Baker Mayfield-Mike Evans connection next year. What do you think? It's, it. Is it about 60-40 that Evans is not coming back, or is it 70-30? There's been a lot of talk about him not being back. Clearly, which I just don't get. I mean, pound for pound, you look at what he's done over the course of his first 10 years in the NFL. It's legitimately a first ballot Hall of Fame type of resume for this gold coat guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Mike Evans becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame. He's going in. He's never not had a thousand yard season in the NFL. And that connection with Baker this year was special. And he did struggle with drops. It plagued him. Uh, and they were able to overcome it in that Philadelphia game where he dropped a couple of big ones. They obviously couldn't overcome it in that game against Detroit yesterday. But uh, there is no wide receiver that I would rather have on my roster than Mike Evans. Not to say he is the most talented wide receiver in the NFL, but just I think because of what he means to the Tampa Bay franchise, there's nobody I would be comfortable replacing him with. And I feel the same about Baker Mayfield, man. And – I think what flies under the radar a little bit is that not only did Baker accomplish this with a team that was expected to be one of the worst in the NFL, a team that had upwards of $70 million in dead cap, but a team and an offense that was in the hands of a guy who hadn't called plays in almost 20 years in Dave Canales. And that's not to take anything away from Dave Canales at all. He did a pretty good job. 
he all in all did a very good job. But that situation that Baker was thrown into in Tampa Bay, it was easily the best situation organizationally that he's been in throughout his NFL career. But it still wasn't necessarily ready-made for success. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody had the expectation that Baker Mayfield was going to go to Tampa and perform nearly as well as he did. And I thought he was going to have a bounce back year, don't get me wrong. But upwards of 4000 yards through the air, a 3 to 1 touchdown to interception mm-hmm. ratio, career if you, highs. If you'd told me before the season that that was the type of year Baker Mayfield was going to have, I'd have told you there's not a chance he doesn't get a long-term extension before the season's over. Yeah, absolutely. Played well. Again, the uh, it was a bad decision, obviously, on the last pick yesterday. First one, again, was on Mike Evans. But overall, had a really good year. You look at it, you throw the playoffs in as well. 36 TDs, 12 picks on the year. You'll take that ratio. Uh, career high in yardage, career high in touchdown passes. Is he a great elite NFL quarterback? No, but he's a good, solid NFL quarterback if he's in the right system and you know he's got good players around him and a good uh, organization Tampa Bay compared to Cleveland night and day completely night and day all right uh 405-651-3439 Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line that's 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line the other side of it is Detroit is a good story. The yep, first playoff no win since 91. You go all the way back to they went to the uh, NFC Championship game with Barry Sanders and company, lost to the Redskins that year. But uh, are you on the Detroit bandwagon now? I am. I, Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't want to see Patrick Mahomes win another one. <laughs> Nothing against Patrick Mahomes, but I've got Chiefs fatigue. Um, don't really care for the Ravens. Don't really care for the Niners. Mark Andrews is supposed to be back this week, by the way, for the Ravens. Yeah, what I really wanted once the Bucks lost was I wanted a Bills-Lions Super Bowl. Let's let somebody get their first Super Bowl win yeah, franchise that been all right. this year. And then Tyler Bass had to send it careening wide right. <sighs> the new Scott Norwood. Not good. All right, uh, last year Home Comfort Systems bringing you hour number one here on Steel Man and Thune, 405 405- 579-3113. Heating and air needs, you need those addressed. It's heating right now, of course. If you uh, don't have a system that's working right now, give them a call, 405-579-3113. Apologize for the uh, shaky voice today. I've got some kind of sinus congestion happening. So just what you got today. This is it. All right, stay with us. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We'll head there next. And we'll talk a little bit about the uh, portal for the Sooners, when we get back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, we are back, 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Portal updates brought to you by Swiftco Roofing and Construction online at brentswift.com. And you can call Swiftco at 405-631-8222. Hopefully the uh, voice is going to hold up today. Uh, so Lance Hurd to Tennessee. That's what we've been talking about for a while. You thought it was like, going to be Tennessee, and he did commit to Tennessee. What do we know on uh, Garen Hackett, who visited OU this weekend, the uh, Washington O-lineman? 
So what I can tell you, Steely, is that what's either going to happen is he will transfer to Oklahoma or he will return to Washington. Hmm. So we're kind of in that uh, Geno Vandemark zone with this one. <laughs> That's right. We we didn't get OU Geno. We were hoping to get another OU Geno. What it is, old man. So, uh, but maybe Garen Hackett will be uh, coming to Oklahoma. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, 2025 class. Tell me about Tay Harris and uh, Tristan Hayes. The news there. Tay Harris, you're talking about the kid that decommitted from Georgia. Yep. Cornerback. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the, the news is that he decommitted from Georgia. I don't, but the Sooners might have a shot, perhaps. I mean, I'm not counting on it. I think, I think the three cornerbacks that I would project into Oklahoma's class right now in the 2025 cycle would be as follows. Kobe Sellers, Shadow Creek, Texas. Malik Hawkins, younger brother of Michael Hawkins, son of Mike Hawkins from Frisco, Texas. And then Tristan Haynes from right down the road at Carl Albert. But Tristan Haynes, I, that's, that's not a slam dunk for OU. And Who else is in the several, mix? He's got several other schools that he's entertaining, Miami being one of them, Missouri being another. Oh, no, my – what? Do you see what Michael Fasusi said this past weekend about his visit to Missouri? No. You're not going to like this. Oh, gosh. You, okay. ready to, you ready to go outside and yell at the clouds sure. over this? I might slip and fall while I'm doing it, but, yeah, I will. Michael Fasusi had this to say about his unofficial visit to Missouri over the weekend, which was his very first trip to Columbia. He said this in an interview. It was amazing. One of the best visits I've ever been on. I don't think 100 out of 10 would even be enough. What are they doing there? It's freaking Columbia, Missouri. It is a program that is underachieved. I know they've got a good team right now. They're going to be really good next year. Are they? I would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, I hope not, but they're just you know, they're Steely just drumming up the hype for Mizzou. Just very annoying, Missouri. All right, so Tristan Haynes again. Um, the Carl Albert connection has been pretty good for Oklahoma of late. And that it has. Over the years. No question. But uh, you would think that the Sooners would be the end result. Would be your guess right now? Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes, yes. I would pick the Sooners over anybody else, but again, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means. And I know if you look, if you are a recruiting casual, and my effort on this show, my effort in life in general, from a professional standpoint, is to make sure that recruiting casuals do not exist. But if you are a recruiting casual, and you just look at the predictions across the recruiting industry for Tristan Haynes, they all favor Oklahoma, but that's because there was some scuttlebutt that there would be a second commit alongside Marcus James mm -hmm. back in November, and everybody assumed it was Tristan Haynes. Uh, nobody else knew that it was going to be Trist or uh, Trinae Washington. Excuse me. So you have some residual predictions in favor of OU for Tristan Haynes. But again, I, I would give OU the advantage there. It's not a substantial one to the point where I would be confident throwing down a future cast in Oklahoma's favor yet. Hey, uh, Trey Dissident, you know, he's now Trey Shreds on uh, X slash Twitter. 
And listen to this. Hey, Steely on sports, why is Baker the only quarterback no one can give credit to without saying, is he elite? Is he great? No, he sucks unless everything around him is perfect. He's the only one that gets that treatment after a win or a loss. So look at Trey talking about a Sooner quarterback that he doesn't think sucks right there. No, what I was saying Wait, is no, I was, never – He I, was saying Baker sucks. It was right there in the text. No, I'm, I'm reading it. Why is Baker the only quarterback no one can give credit to without saying, is he elite, is he great? No, he sucks unless everything around him is perfect. He's the only one that gets that treatment after a win or a loss. So I think he's saying, you know, if Baker plays well, well, you know, it's it's the organization or, yeah, he played well, but he's not elite. You know, he's not an elite quarterback. And I don't think anybody said that. But I think he had a great year. I think we talked about where Baker is. He's somewhere in the middle of the pack as an NFL quarterback right now. There are only 30 of them, right? 32. Yeah, I would say 32. That's right. He's somewhere in the uh, 12-15 range. And I would agree. I think. I would agree. And you know what? Uh, Those are the best quarterbacks in the world, so that's pretty good. Upper half, not top tier, at least not yet. Again, I think Baker can get there. I truly do. I think he needs stability in Tampa Bay in the long term. He has that right now. He'll be going into year two with Dave Canales as an offensive coordinator next year, assuming he returns. And as long as you can keep the weapons around him and give him some support in the running game too, because the Buccaneers had one of the weakest, uh, one of the weakest rushing attacks in the NFL, and they didn't have a great offensive line as you saw yesterday. Oh gosh, yeah. So again, if you give Baker the pieces. And they don't have to be elite pieces. And I think we learned that this year. He doesn't have to have elite pieces. He doesn't have to have a Brock Purdy-esque supporting cast around him in order to have success. But if you make sure he's not running for his life every single time he drops back, if you make sure he has a running back that he can hand the ball to that is a legitimate threat to gash the opposition on the ground, and you give him some capable receivers, receivers that are sure-handed at that, then I think Baker Mayfield is the type of quarterback that could play for a Super Bowl one day. I wonder if the Bucks were, like, the second-worst team in terms of drops. I think Kansas City was number one. Ugh. I mean, they dropped passes Ugh. left and right all year, Kansas City. Well, Kadarius Tony. So did the uh, – well, yeah. <laughs> so did the uh, – Kadarius so Tony probably so. dropped more than any other NFL team on, of his own accord. And his teammates bailed him out because him being offsides is why they were in Buffalo, right? But – you know, the Bills' defense, man, yesterday, they just could not stop Kansas City. And the Buccaneers' defense was a big letdown yesterday, too. It was. And, you know, they, they they weren't terrible this year. They weren't elite, but they weren't terrible. They were good enough that you'd figure, okay, they're going to be able to make enough stops to give, to give their team a chance come playoff time, regardless of who they get matched up against. And to be fair, uh, Tampa Bay had a chance in the final two minutes of that game. I, the defense kind of put them behind the eight ball because they were playing from an eight-point deficit. And ideally in that situation, you'd like to be playing to break a tie rather than come up with a touchdown and a two-point conversion and not the game and send it to overtime on the road. You're still – I mean, you're, you've still got pretty long odds there. But Tampa Bay did almost enough on both sides of the ball yesterday to give them a shot to win. 
And in the end, Baker made one throw that he'd like to have back. The way that they've been moving the ball in the fourth quarter offensively to that point, you know, if if Derek Barnes just bats that down or just mm-hmm. gets a hand on it as opposed to picking it off, man, I I think Tampa Bay marches down the field and has a shot there at the end. But obviously, that's not how it unfolded. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. We do have Jesse Crittenden coming up at 120 on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Speaking of Riverwind, get out there today, play with your wild card. If you can get out there and uh, use your wild card and warrant, uh, earn one entry for every five points in your wild card today, five times the entries today and tomorrow, and then the final drawing for the 80K winning resolutions giveaway is happening Friday night. Get out there and win your share of 80K in cash and bonus play. We do have a show at the Showplace Theater coming up this weekend. And that will be Joe Coy. Had a rough night at the Golden Globes, but still thought of as a pretty darn good comedian. And uh, that show, by the way, is sold out. So you may have to find somebody to get some tickets from. But uh, I always thought, man, when that pub came out, that's good for Riverwind because Joe Coy's name has been out there. Uh, Shows in February, Air Supply and Scotty McCreary. Uh, In March, Jay Leno with special guest Rita Rudner now. And Jim Gaffigan coming uh, later in March. In April, we have Ryan Bingham, Kip Moore, and a show from Brantley Gilbert at the Showplace Theater. But if you can get out there today, particularly, hopefully, we'll get a little sunshine maybe. And uh, some of this uh, ice will melt, hopefully, and you can get out there and play with your wild card. Get those extra entries today out at Riverwind. Okay, going to apologize for the voice again today. It's just, it's just what it is. Keep those texts rolling in, 405-651-3439. Can implement a Chevrolet text line. Let's talk a little sooner basketball. Nice road win over the Bearcats Saturday. We'll hear from Porter and talk about this week for the Sooners up next here on The Ref. Nice win for the Sooners at Cincinnati over the weekend. Oklahoma wins at 69-65, taking down the Bearcats on their home floor. And uh, Oklahoma now 3-2 and two in the league, 15-3 and three overall. I need to check, has the uh, new top 25 come out? I need to check that real quick. It has come out. OU is sitting at number 11. There you go. So up four spots from last week in the AP for the Sooners. And, again, Oklahoma plays Texas tomorrow night, 6 o'clock on ESPN. How about Rodney Terry? How about him? Did he celebrate like he won a national championship? He did, and then he promptly apologized, which was good, because mm-hmm. he should have eaten some crow about that whole ordeal. He did. He did apologize. So the Sooners, again, Texas tomorrow night. And then uh, Saturday they play Texas Tech, 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, let's hear from Porter Moser on the Sooners' victory Saturday in Cincinnati over the Bearcats. Here's the Sooner head coach. Here. Whoa. Wait a minute. We have to Johnny. Make... Johnny tried to uh, on, get in the way of Porter's soundbite here. Here we go. So gritty. Um, I mean, an absolute, so physical, hostile environment. And there was just it was just so gritty. So many, so many big plays. Um, you know, back and forth to say mentally tough. Yeah. They kept on trying with the run, the crowd. Um, they're one of the top rebounding teams in the country. I think we out-rebounded them, I think. Um, someone just said we did, but maybe we did. By seven. Yeah, by seven. 41-34. That's two games in a row. We out- I mean, just that's just grit and uh, on the rebounding. And uh, just uh, so many guys made big plays. And uh, But that, to, to, in this environment, the physicality that Cincinnati played with, just to just come at you. And... Uh, 
really, really excited for the guys to, to find a way to, to, to win this one on the road. Yeah, that was gritty. They out-rebounded Cincinnati 41-34, and the Bearcats, one of the top rebounding teams in college basketball. So that shows the physicality, the toughness that the Sooners showed on Saturday. On the road, J.B. McCollum 16, Otega Oway 14, uh, had the big dunk with a couple minutes left. John Hughley played well with 11. Late free throws, too. Parker for the Sooners ever clutch, obviously. And they get a nice road victory. Now you have a chance to win these two games at home this week. All of a sudden you're five and two in the league. That's an excellent start. That'd be huge. Obviously it doesn't guarantee you anything in the long run, but that'd be huge, especially because the Big Twelve is such a meat grinder, Steely. I mean, we saw this on Saturday when West Virginia went home after getting throttled by the Sooners at the LNC and upset number three Kansas. That was a 6-11 and West Virginia team that handled Kansas at home up in Morgantown. So, any given night in the Big 12, I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. And the sooner, it might be ugly sometimes. It wasn't as pretty as it could have been Saturday against Cincinnati. But at the end of the day, you just keep stacking those wins. You put yourself in position to make the tournament. That's really all you can ask for in the Big 12. Just do what you have to do, do what you need to do in order to earn a berth in the tournament field. And from that point, as a Big 12 program, having been battle-tested up and down for two months by that point, you'll take your chances against pretty much anybody. And I am, I imagine Porter, Motor, Porter Moser and the Sooners certainly will if they can get into the field of 68. The way I see it, you win six more games, you're in. 21 wins, that's the threshold. Yeah, the way it's looking right now, it would be it would take kind of a collapse for Oklahoma not to get there. And I don't see that happening. This team's got good chemistry. They play both ends of the floor. And, um, you know, Cincinnati, good, uh, good team, physical team. You know, had the size advantage against Oklahoma, but the Sooners got the job done. They won it 69-65. Now you take care of Texas tomorrow night, and Tech again on Saturday, you're 5-2 and two in the league. So, uh, should be very interesting. All right, 405-651-3439. Kenny Pamayo, Chevrolet, text line. Frozen Sooner. Very appropriate name for today. Wants to know, I haven't heard anything. But can somebody tell me why the hell Tampa Bay went for two instead of kicking the extra point the on the last touchdown? analytics people got to them. Yeah, no, analytics. It's, it's analytics, and people have different feelings on it. Uh, these days, because the extra point is 33 yards, I do think it certainly has more merit than it would have had once upon a time. But basically, the thought behind it is, well, the odds of making one of two two-point conversion attempts is as good or negligibly different from the odds of making two consecutive extra points. And where it kind of tips the scales for the analytics people is if you get the first two-point conversion attempt, then you can potentially win the game with another touchdown and extra point. Even if you don't get the first two-point conversion attempt, then you have another chance down the line to even it up and get exactly where you would have gotten if you just kicked the two extra points. Yeah, I you know, it's easy to look back on it in hindsight, but I, I just kind of feel like in that loud, crazy environment, it kind of took a little bit of the luster off the touchdown, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Sean wants to know why Tampa Bay didn't use its last That was out. weird that to was me, strange. too, because Detroit mismanaged the clock. They did, the yes. They took the final knee with about 35 seconds left, 
and it would have been fourth down at that point. And Tampa Bay had a timeout in their pocket that they could have used there. And granted, I mean, you're sitting at about the 30-yard line. You have a field goal of between 45 and 50 yards. I forget where exactly the ball was spotted, but Detroit would have lined up for a field goal there had Tampa Bay called the timeout with 35 seconds left in the game. And obviously, if they make the field goal, it's game over, right? But if they miss the field goal, then the odds still aren't in your favor. You've got to go 65 yards or so in 30 seconds with no timeouts, but at least you're giving yourselves a chance. I thought it was weird that Todd Bowles just chose to let the game and let the clock expire with that timeout in his pocket. It was bizarre, no doubt. All right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Chapstick says, I hold grudges. I hope every bucket scored by OU comes with a horns down. I hope the students just absolutely lay into that coach. I want to hear I've been working on the railroad no less than 100 times. Hell, I want the band to play along with the singing. I said it last week, and I meant it. That coach should – I can't tell what it's supposed to say. I think the essence of the text is that coach should get a whooping for saying anything to the other team's players. He's such a joke. Old Rodney Terry did uh, issue an apology. Maybe he figured, hey, wait, I just celebrated like I won the national championship. I dogged UCF for that. I better say something in the postgame. It's the mule shoe curse, says Cherokee Sooner. Todd Bowles go to the mule shoe school of clock management or what? Who, who else was really? Les Miles was really bad, too, back in the day. Clock management. Uh, the Sooners in Brent's first year, they had some clock issues yeah, as well. Uh, Mario Cristobal might be worse with clock management than anyone in the present day. You need a nerd over there figuring it out. Some guy that's like an engineer or something. Some guy that It looks, shouldn't be that difficult, but you need a nerd over there to help you out. Like, uh, you're talking about the type of guy that looks like he would have gotten shoved into a locker back in the day? Yes. That's what he's good for? Mike McDaniel looks like he could be that guy. Mm, but he's a head know. coach, of course. But I bet he's good at clock management. Mike McDaniel seems like the type of guy that you would figure you could easily stuff into a locker, and then it turns out he knows judo, and he just thoroughly thrashes you. He might be that guy, yeah. He could be. So uh, so anyway, all right, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer, Chevrolet text line. Good question from the 405. Has anyone asked if the cold weather affected the Buccaneers? <laughs> you know, the only good thing is the Lions are a really good story, too. But I must say Shea was heartbroken. Yes, as was I. She had a great season with the uh, Sunday ticket watching every Baker game. It's hard to swallow. It's that's a hard loss to take yesterday. But I will say this. If there is a team that I would have liked for or I guess I shouldn't say it that way. The Lions being the team that the Bucks lost to, that's probably best case scenario because at least I can turn around and pull for the Lions next yeah. week cuz they are a fun story. That fan base has been through a lot. If this if this magical run had to end for Baker and the Bucks, I'm glad it ended at the hands of the Lions of all teams. And I like Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. He's very likable. Like, 
poor Dan, former A&M Aggies, very likable. Two years ago, Dan Campbell was on the chopping block because his team was, what, 0-11? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was, he was getting slaughtered on social media every single week because he'd go up in the press conference and he'd defend his team pretty emotionally. And the rationale from everybody, fans and media alike, would be, okay, well, you can defend these guys all you want, but why aren't, why aren't they winning? And now here they are two years later, and they're a win away from going to the first Super Bowl in franchise history. So, yeah, I'll be pulling for the Lions. I'll be pulling for Dan Campbell. I love the way he coaches, too. So aggressive. Yeah. No holds cool. barred. He's a cool dude. I just don't want to see Kansas City get there because I'm tired, sick and tired of seeing Taylor Swift up there dancing around after every big play. All right? It's ridiculous. Or the other Kelsey brother up there naked drinking beer or whatever the heck he was doing. I've had it. Interesting scene in the press box in Buffalo last night. Very interesting scene. Crazy stuff, though, the fact that Patrick Mahomes has been a starter for six years in the NFL and has been to the AFC Championship every single one of those six years. Yeah. It's a very remarkable run he's been on. No doubt. All right. uh, Let's take a break right here. 405-651-3439. We'll get some more texts in on the other side of the break. And uh, don't forget, we also have Jesse Crittenden coming up today at 120 right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Did you just try to make us all deaf there, Steve? Dude, I'm out of it today. I got to tell you, my head is spinning. Don't feel uh, real good, to be honest with you. And normally I have this little uh, cough button turned off, and I had it turned on. So my bad. My bad, people. Not good. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439 on the uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 405-651-3439. Um, hang on. Texter. You guys say Mike Evans is going in the Hall of Fame. Who are the other Bucks in the Hall of Fame? Well, you Leroy got Selman. Leroy Selman. Yes, he's got his own highway there. You've got Rondé Barber just went in not long ago, right? Derek Brooks in the Hall as well. I, Derek Brooks, I think, is in there. What about Warren Sapp? Didn't he go in? Warren Sa- John Lynch. Isn't John, John Lynch, Lynch in the Hall. John Lynch yeah. is in the Hall. Now, the the thing is, sometimes like you'd have to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame website but sometimes they will say the Buccaneers have more guys you know maybe some people some players or coaches that um were wore a Bucks uniform at one point but the question that you really got to look at is which ones went in as Tampa Bay Buccaneers and it's clearly it's Leroy I think Rondé Barber went in like two years ago didn't he Warren Sapp's in there. I think you're right. John Lynch and Derek Brooks is in there. I remember Derek Brooks for sure. You know who should be in there? Mike Allstott. What a fullback out of Purdue he was, man. That man was a one-man wrecking crew. In fact, I saw – did you see the Allstott, the video this week? There was a video. He appeared and, you know, kids just don't understand. Oh, they no, they don't. Mike no, Allstott running you over go like watch, nine players. Yeah, you go watch some Mike Allstott highlights. They don't play ball like that anymore. That is old school football. We had a listener in the 918 texting about the Chiefs. 
and I guess he sent in several texts and didn't get a response, and so he te- and so he followed up and said, "Why text when it doesn't get a response? I'm a Chiefs fan, so I guess I understand the hate." Listen, we frankly do not have time to answer all the texts that we get, so it's probably just been bad luck. To yeah, be honest, if with we you. don't respond to your text, it is nothing personal. It doesn't mean you should stop texting. It just means, guess what? We got a whole bevy of other texts that we got to sift through. Probably we- bad luck, to be honest with you, if your text isn't getting answered. Yeah. So keep copy and paste. Keep trying to send it. But we apologize. I promise we try and get to as many as we can. We do. We do. But there are far too many on any given day. Uh, if there has ever been a day in the history of this station, at least as far long as I've been around, that every single text has been answered, I, w- I sure wasn't present that day. Nobody's thrown a perfect game. No, Nobody's is, come close. And it is an overwhelming amount of text. We literally could not respond to every single text, even if we spent an entire show just reading them. I'm not sure we could keep up. Uh, Gunner from Grove says, if the Bucks bring Baker back, they have to invest in an offensive line. Baker was blindsided all season. How about three guys that were untouched yesterday? Three different times he was sacked. Nobody laid a finger on those uh, blitzes coming from the outside. Nobody. Yeah, that can't happen. Well, the problem is you've got to invest. You know, we'll see. What kind of money do you think Baker's looking at? And what do you think is going to be a two-year deal? What kind of deal do you think it's going to be? I think I think a three-year three. deal. think they'll go yeah. three? I think three years is probably the move for Baker right now. As far as average annual value, I don't know. Like, I would think with where the Buccaneers are at financially, they'll probably throw some heavy incentives at him and basically say, hey, look, you know, you perform up to par, we'll give you all this extra money, but as far as guaranteed money, let's set some of that aside and let's commit that to putting the pieces around you to make this a successful team. Yeah. Well, and you talked about whether or not they're going to bring Mike Evans back, and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to. We'll see. But I know that Baker said he wanted Mike back yesterday too, and we played the soundbite with Mike Evans saying, yes, he wants to be back. He'd love to be back playing with Baker. Realtor Chris says, I've sent about 10 unanswered brilliant text (laughs) messages today. I've seen some brilliance in you, Chris. I have seen some brilliance in you. He says, regardless if they get red or not, I know that I have made the host day better. You're welcome. Well, thanks, Realtor Chris. We always appreciate your checks. Uh, Glenn in Georgetown says, whereas all I hear is the ire for Taylor Swift, I was waiting with bated breath for the cutaway when a KC big play happened. You know, it, uh, to be honest, it doesn't bother me. And I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world. I think she's pretty talented. But like I said, if Marilyn Monroe was at a Yankees game when she and Joe DiMaggio were together, if they had enough cameras, there'd be a cutaway of Marilyn Monroe every time Joe DiMaggio was at the plate. That's just the way it is with celebrities. And look, the TV people, they know what they're doing. They're bringing non-football fans in. But I don't know why we get so worked up about seven or maybe ten tops during the entire game. Like I said, the other cutaway is going to be Billy Bob out there, shirtless, you know, with his nipples showing, and, you know, down in the beer or whatever. And, look, 
it's something that people feel very strongly about. So I'm not going to try to talk anybody out of their opinion. But when you have a notable figure that's prominently associated with a particular organization, you're going to get a lot of cutaways. Mm -hmm. Have you ever watched a broadcast of a Dallas Cowboys football game that did not include multiple cutaways to Jerry Jones? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. So I'm not saying, you know, you're crazy if you don't like him. I mean, that's your choice, but it, it just hasn't bothered me. But it has bothered a lot of people. A lot of people. All right, 405-651-3439, Kenneth Meyer Chevrolet text line. Dan in Madison, Mississippi says, I remember when we used to think it was annoying to see Patrick's brother and wife. There you go. Oh my, yeah, those, yes. two, those two are far That's more insufferable no than Taylor about Swift. about it. Maybe I'm the farthest thing from a Swifty, but if you give me a choice between seeing a cutaway to Taylor Swift and a cutaway to Brittany and Jackson Mahomes, give me Taylor Swift maybe, all day, every day. Maybe part of it was, you know, she's been seeing high-fiving Brittany and hugging Brittany and all of that stuff. So maybe some of Brittany has, you know, been transferred to Taylor Swift. So anyway. All right, 405-651-3439. More texts on the way. Thank you, Last Year Home Comfort Systems. We're hanging in there. Voice is a little, um, I'm going to sound like Peter Brady and the Brady Bunch at some point today. That's just the way it is. Appreciate you being here. We've got another hour to go. Jesse Crittenden at 120. Keep it here on the ref. Yes, we're going to continue talking, folks. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. Jesse Crittenden will join us at 120 via the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Sooners up to 11 in the AP. College basketball poll up four spots after their big win at Cincinnati over the weekend, 69-65. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock on ESPN, Sooners in Texas. Saturday, the Sooners will host Texas Tech at 1 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. The OU women won over the weekend at Houston 71-65. Wednesday, they will be on the road. Jenny Baranchek and company at Texas, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Hour number two is presented by Oklahoma Generator, Oklahoma's highest-rated, longest-operating Generac dealer. Reliable, experienced service and sales staff. They're currently offering new customer discounts and free 10-year warranties with new installs. Call OKGen OK or go to okgen.com or call 405 405- Three two one sixty six thirty one. What did you make of uh, Lane Kiffin's tweet talking about this uh, report that Ohio State allegedly has spent thirteen million in NIL? I tell you, Celia, I don't know what to make of anything anymore because you mentioned that the OU men's basketball team was up to number eleven without making a Spinal Tap reference. These go to eleven. Sorry, there it was. Uh, Have no, you seen like this Spinal a- Tap? No, I haven't. You just know the reference. I know the reference because you've made it so many times. I know. I You are my connection to Spinal Tap. Worn out references. Um, So they got Quinshawn Judkins. They got Caleb Downs. Uh And they got the uh, Julian Sand kid for next year. You know what happened? Michigan now has Ohio State's number. It used to be Ohio State was going to win every year, right? And now that Michigan has won a national championship, here come the NIL dollars. Well, but Lane Kiffin to tweet it, that, Ole Miss is spending some money too, right? Yes, they are. Big time. They're spending an absurd amount of money. But 
Consider what would happen on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line if Texas were to win a national championship. What would all the textures be saying? We got to have more money. We got to have bigger NIL deals for our players. We've already fallen so far behind Texas, and we're just going to fall further and further behind if we can't pay all our players what they're actually worth. Some are saying that now, right? Yes, they are. Imagine how much worse it would be if Texas was the national champion. Now, for me, it looks like with OU, part of the uh, deal has been that they spent some NIL money to keep Danny Stutzman, Billy Bowman, and uh, Woody Washington. Sometimes you got to allocate the money to players that, you know, you'd love to have around for another year. And uh, that's a pretty big trio right there. But, um, you know, I'm sure some Sooner fans thought, golly, that's a lot of money. Is this going to destroy the sport? We talked about this when it first came out, that this path that college football is going down right now, man. And I know we're kind of used to it right now, but I just – that's pro football. That is pro football. It is. But we still watch pro football, right? We do, yeah. Football is still football. Is it going to destroy the sport? No. Will it remove some of the luster from the sport for certain folks who appreciated everything that was once canon with regard to the college football experience? No question. No question. It's a different game than it was five years ago. It's a different game than it was 20 years ago. College football is evolving before our very eyes. And not everybody's going to like it. But football is still football. Yeah, the the distinction, though, between pro and college, I've always liked the college game better. And look, I love the NFL, too. But the college game with the pageantry, the traditions, the marching bands, it's just a different experience. We don't need college football to be the same experience as the NFL. But we're headed down that road, man. We've already took the exit to pro football. You think the Houston Cougars are going to adopt the Houston Oilers fight song? Houston Cougars. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? So, uh, anyway. All right, 405-651-3439. I'm out of it today, folks. I'm heavily medicated. My voice is struggling. Bear with me. I think you're doing a great job. I could be throwing like five interceptions today. I think I I already threw one with the headset issue. So, that was a pick six. I don't know if that was a pick six. No, that was pretty bad. Okay. Well, if you say so. <laughs> I think it was a high enough shriek that some people probably didn't even hear it. That like was a dog whistle. Yeah, that's true. Rob Reiner is making a sequel to Spinal Tap. Shooting starts next month, apparently. Next month. Wow. Are they going to be like a geriatric band now? Paul McCartney will be in it. Really? Hmm. There you go. All right, what else do we have, Parker? Go ahead. This listener of the 918 says, NIL has already destroyed the game as we grew to know and love it. Has it? Do people that say NIL has destroyed the game, do you still watch OU football on Saturdays? Oh yeah, I hardly think the answer to that question is no. I think there's just a lot of concern out there still. And the concern with OU fans is, all right, is Brent's system of culture over spending a ton of NIL dollars 
going to be the answer in the long term? Or are these, you know, Missouri's and Tennessee's and some of the other schools, um, you know, Miami, will their way work in the long run? We've seen it fail at Miami so far. We saw it fail at Texas A&M so far. But somebody's going to succeed eventually paying a lot. of Maybe it's Ohio State this fall. Maybe that gets them over the hump. Maybe, but, like, if Ohio State gets over the hump this fall, first off, what does getting over the hump look like for Ohio State? Does it mean winning the national championship? Yeah. Okay. If they win the national championship, do we chalk that all the way up to NIL? Because Ohio State objectively has been one of the most consistently dominant programs in college football for a quarter century. Yeah. So – are we going to look at that national championship and regard it as the sole byproduct of NIL or just Ohio State getting what was coming eventually when the stars aligned? No doubt NIL will help if that happens because Caleb Downs will probably have a big role in a potential national title in Columbus, as will the likes of Quinshawn Judkins. But even so... I think what it would take for me to change my stance on the utility of NIL is for a program like Miami to have great success. A program that has little else to recruit to or recruit with other than John Ruiz's pocketbook. If Miami starts to compete for championships, if Texas A&M starts to compete for championships, if somebody like Arkansas starts to compete for championships, then I'll say, okay, we need to revisit and reevaluate this whole NIL discussion. Until then, Steely, look, nobody has been all that shocked by any of the teams that have competed for or played for national titles over the last several years. And even the surprising teams that have made a run here and there, i.e. TCU last year, Washington this past season, you certainly can't chalk that up to NIL. That yeah, that those runs came on the shoulders of coaching and development. Objectively, no question about it. I'm a bigger fan of coaching and development for sure, and I hope that wins the day eventually. It's a small sample size right now, but again, so far the big spenders have not been able to cash in yet. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. A 405 listener says, I haven't stopped watching OU, but I'm not near as passionate about the sport. I used to watch as many games as possible. Now I just don't care as much. If it's about who buys the best team, I'll watch the better talent in the NFL. Look, this is not exclusive to college football, but making the largest financial investment does not necessarily mean having the most success. If that were the case, the Yankees and Dodgers would trade World Series titles year in and year out. That doesn't happen. And that's because there is more to cultivating a culture and a standard of winning than buying a roster. Here's my biggest problem also with it. And I I don't like it. I'm old, of course, I'm not going to like it. But the lack of continuity with your roster. Exhibit A. You get a guy you think is going to be a part of your program and a mainstay in your program for two or three years. Three years, you you know, maybe you get three years, depending on the red shirt or whatever. Caden Green, Exhibit A. Yeah. You're feeling great about him, man. He handled his business against Texas. 
Looks like he's going to be a guy that's in line to be a potential All-American player for you going on to play on Sundays, and boom. He gone because of NIL. That's what bothers me is I think a lot of these kids now are looking at it. All right, well, I just finished my year at OU. What else is out there? Now, I'm not saying OU is probably a little bit of an exception to that rule, but I think a lot of kids, they're just going to shop their talents every year. You know, some people, I'm sure a lot of the young people out there would say, why why shouldn't they? I get it. But college basketball, the reason college basketball is not the game it used to be, because of the jump to the NBA. You know, they don't have a rule like baseball. Because you used to see the last undefeated team was, a you know, I think four seniors and a junior with Indiana. You used to see Michael Jordan for three years. Or all the great players and those teams together. And now it's like, well, okay, this guy's gone and this guy's gone. Wait, where's this guy? Oh, okay. It's such a mishmash um, sometimes with these players that I think that's going to be the main issue because you can't get attached to a player because he could be gone the next year. Caden Green is that guy for OU so far. But do you need to feel attached to a singular player to buy into the team? You because, don't I mean, like, no, you don't have to, but it just would be nice if you kind of had an idea. Like you could go as a kid. I didn't even need a roster. Who's coming back next year for 75, 74, 75 OU? You knew. Nowadays, you're like, what? Joe Washington signed with Florida. You know, us olds can't deal with that. We yeah. just can't deal with it. Again, I just. What I advocate is for everybody to be patient mm-hmm. because we are only three years deep into the NIL era. Mm-hmm. And, look, some of the things that have happened certainly are alarming and you would like for them not to become trends. Yeah. But the trends that have been established yet suggest that the market is going to correct itself. Really the so. only trend that has been established, other than players getting larger and larger values when they enter the transfer portal, that's certainly a trend. But – the only trend that's firmly been established is that programs that invest a ton of money and outright buy players and transfers via NIL, they don't play for championships. Not yet. Not yet. And I hope never. But we'll see. Big Rich and OKC. It was Caden's dad. Caden wanted. Yes, we, we know. Don't be that guy at the party. Don't be well, actually, guy. Well, actually, Caden wanted to stay. It was his dad. Yep. We know Bill. We know Bill. Haven't. And he's typing in all caps. Does that mean he's angry? He went into all caps mode that's, there for a second. That's because, yeah, we all saw the tweet where Caden Green and the story where he said, talk to my dad. And that's another problem. These greedy parents. The greedy parents. I ain't ever done anything but work a minimum wage job. Now I got a boy who's going to make me a mansion. Okay. All right, we got a break right here. 405-651-3439. Kenneth Meyer Chevrolet Tax Line. There's dignity in every job. But I'm just saying, some of these parents, they're hearing the lifestyles of the rich and famous theme. Older reference lost on younger listeners. I get it, but, you know. There's a smart guy. Steely, I totally agree with you on all this BS. And that's what it is right there, BS. Be right back. 
Jesse Crittenden joining us, Riverwind Casino Hotline, here on this Monday. Jesse, I know you're going to be uh, meeting with Porter. The press is going to have a little uh, opportunity to talk to Porter about the Texas matchup coming up tomorrow night. But let's look back on a huge road victory for Oklahoma, 69-65. Cincinnati, big, physical, yet Oklahoma out-rebounded the Bearcats and I thought showed uh, it was kind of like John Wayne, some true grit in that win over the weekend. What did you think? Yeah, no kidding. And and it wasn't just the fact that they out-rebounded them when, when Cincinnati really has been the best rebounding team in the Big 12 this season, but it was, you know, OU struggled so much out of the gate. I mean, their first points didn't come until nearly five minutes into the game. They trailed nearly, uh, you know, for a lot of that first half, but it, it was, you know, it looked like it was, it was a story we had seen before. They go on the road. You know, the crowd gets to them. They, they start committing careless turnovers. They can't hit anything. And, you know, and they, they kind of whimper uh, to a loss. And, and I really like the way that they bounce back from a really bad start, uh, you know, with the, with the crowd noise and everything. And I thought they not only matched Cincinnati's physicality, but I think they they, they succeeded it. And, and I think for a team that, you know, has had some, some hype and, and some excitement this year. You know, they, they went on the road uh, a couple of weeks ago and really struggled at TCU in Kansas. So for them to not only bounce back on Wednesday, Wednesday but to get a, a road win, which are really hard to come by against any team in the Big 12, but to get a win against Cincinnati and the way they went about it, they, they controlled their turnovers. Really, everybody contributed. You know, J.B. McCollum was the leading scorer, but, you know, they got a good Otega Oway game. They got a, another good Jalen Moore game. John Hughley gave them some points off the bench. Um, really, I think you're starting to see that when this team is, is playing at its best, or at the very least when when they are playing the way Porter Moser wants them to, they, they can compete with anybody. And, and I think, you know, Cincinnati may not be, you know, the top team in the Big 12, but, but to, to get a win like that on the road, get some momentum back, they've already matched their win total from last season. You know, that, that's, that's a big win and, and really gives them some momentum heading into these next couple of games. This is about the time, this is about the point on the calendar, Jesse, where it seems like the Sooners start to trade wins and losses with equal frequency. Every single game has been a toss-up in the recent past once you get to about a third of the way through Big 12 play. At least that's the way it seemed for this OU basketball team. But with a two-game homestand this week, hosting Texas tomorrow night and then Texas Tech, the 20th-ranked team in the country, on Saturday night. What's it going to say about this team, and what are they capable of if they're able to run this thing to 17-3 and three by the end of the week? That's a really good point. And, and I think, to me, as difficult as the Big 12 is, and look, there's, there's really not a bad team in, in this I mean, in this conference. It's as good as it's ever been. I mean, eight teams ranked inside the Big 12. I think, to me, the thing that, that starts to separate the, the really good teams from just the good teams are, are winning the games you need to win, winning the games that you should win. And that's, to me, you know, losing at TCU and, and Kansas was tough, but those are two really good teams on the road. For me, last week, they, they simply had to get a win at home against West Virginia. And even though it was at Cincinnati, that's a team OU should beat, and they came away with a win. So for me this week, look, it's OU Texas. Texas is a good team. They're not quite as good as they have been in the past, but they just beat Baylor. Um, so, I mean, this is a good Texas team, but you're, you're home – you know, if you're OU, you're at home, you're looking to prove this year's different, that you're a really good team, you're one of the top teams in the Big 12, this is a game they should win. And then even on Saturday, Texas Tech, 
had some good wins here. They're, they're ranked in the top five. But, again, if, if you're Oklahoma, these are games that you should win. You can't afford to trade wins and losses back and forth. But to me, you know, three and two in the Big 12 through five games and with a couple of pretty good wins, it, it makes it seem like this year is different. But, I mean, but you're right. You can't afford to, to have weeks where you split games or, or you lose both games. I, I think if you're Oklahoma – this is a rare two-game homestand in conference play against teams you're ranked higher than, that I think you have more talent, better rosters than. I think these are two games they need to win. Having said that, you know, it's, it's hard to win in the Big 12. But I think, I think there's every reason to think Oklahoma can win these two games. And if they do, if, if they improve to 17-3, and 5-2 and two in conference play, at that point, I mean, not only does the NCAA tournament seem like a given, but, you know, I think you can start thinking about a lot more. But it does start – tomorrow night and this is a texas team that just beat baylor so it, it should be really fun to watch all right uh let's switch up to sooner football jesse crittenden with us uh what are you hearing uh, among your fellow uh, you know media colleagues and what are you hearing from friends about oklahoma in the nil world uh brent's approach you know the sooners have 12 New portal additions coming in, but, you know, you're, you're also seeing these stories. Ohio State's spending a lot of money. Ole Miss is spending a lot of money. We know the other uh, teams that have spent a lot of money out there. What are you hearing? What, what have your conversations been like about this NIL era we're in and where Oklahoma fits in? Yeah, that's been a – I mean, really been a continuing conversation, especially since since Brent joined on, you know, since, since Brent became the head coach. And I think – NIL is one of those things that it's it is it is not only it's the super broad thing, right? It, it is it is becoming more and more a part of, of roster management, but there also is, you know, a philosophy and an ideology that every coaching staff has with NIL. And I think when when Brent came in, it was pretty it was pretty hard and fast in the sense of yeah, we we need to be able to adapt to NIL, but at the same time, his his program is is very relationally driven and, and, and he wants people that, you know, players that want to play at Oklahoma, but really NIL has the, the pace that how important it's become to college football. I don't think anybody could, could have predicted it would happen this quickly. So, I mean, I, I think if you're Oklahoma and I think what, what's happened, what you've seen is, is trying to find that divide between still being relationally driven, but can you continuing to adjust, with the times, and I think the, I think NIL has been, you know, from, from people I've talked to, I think it's been the number one thing um, for this athletic department, for this football program heading into the SEC. I think it's, I, I don't know if concessions is the right word, but I think there is this acknowledgement about, okay, if we're trying to blend these two philosophies, now it's about how can we use an NIL package, you know, to entice players that want to play at Oklahoma specifically instead of allowing NIL to be the, the first and foremost, uh, you know, thing that you're, you're trying to get players to come here. So I, I think what we've seen the last few weeks, what we saw in this transfer portal window is, is OU continue to put, you know, continue to put resources and things into, into how they're doing things. But there, there still needs to be a baseline of, hey, we, we think these players belong here. We think these players can, can help what we want to do, and they want to be here. And I think that's going to be a continuing conversation really over the next few months. But I, I do think we've seen more and more uh, resources, more and more investment in the NIL because that's just that's the reality of college football these days. Okay, Jesse, Connor, to that point, 
Let me ask you this. Oklahoma is set to move to the SEC officially on July 1st. That is when the athletic department ceases its affiliation with the Big 12 and begins the new affiliation and alignment with the SEC. What is your preeminent concern about the state of the Oklahoma athletic department as they transition to the SEC? Is there anything you are unsure about? Yeah, um, that's a that's a good question. I think that's I mean that's I mean the, the SEC move is going to change uh, everything from top to bottom. I, I think for me, I mean I would say NIL is at the top of that list, but to me it's again trying to find a balance between how are you how competitive are you with the rest of the SEC in terms of what your NIL program looks like and and how players value it, but also not losing your way. And, and what Brent Venables wants to build. I think that's a really, really tough needle to thread. And, and I think there's a lot of fans, understandably, that, that want more and more uh, resources and investment in the NIL. But I think you still want Oklahoma to look like Oklahoma, right? You still want it to look like a Brent Venables program. But you also have to be able to keep up because there's so many ways where Oklahoma transitions to the SEC and I, I don't want to say get left behind, but this is—I mean—they're going to be fighting an uphill battle in so many ways. It's not—it's not just on the field. It's—it's—it's it's, it's investment in in resources. It's investment in facilities. It's investment in all kinds of things. I think that's part of why you saw at the Board of Regents meeting, uh, you know, a few days ago that they, they went ahead and, and extended a lot of the assistant coaching contracts, and they did that earlier than normal. I think they're wanting to be competitive with even. Uh, what they're investing into into coaching staff. So all that being said, I think it's going to be trying to keep up from a from a holistic standpoint with what the rest of the SEC is doing, while also still maintaining the integrity of what you want to do as a program. That's that's a really tough needle to thread, and, and the next few months are going to be really really interesting to see how this how this football program, how this athletic department continues to try to do that. Jesse, we appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. Jesse Crittenden, OU Insider, via the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Monday. Let's take a break right here. Come back. More of your texts on the way, 405-651-3439. How about that win by Oklahoma City over the weekend? I got to tell you, um, my wife, I don't think she was real happy with me because I fell asleep in the fourth quarter. And I woke up like, they, they won? She goes, yeah, they did. Good thing you don't have to do a sports show or anything. I like, I'll hit the highlights off YouTube. Shay, she watched the entire great comeback. Me, I fell asleep. Be right back. All right, we are back. Monday edition, Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Get out to Riverwind Casino today, my home away from home, and uh, play with your wild card. Hopefully the uh, roads are going to start getting a little bit better. They're, they're definitely the major roads are a lot better right now, but still use extreme caution. Uh, be care- very careful out there. But if you can get out to Riverwind today, you earn one entry for every five points in your wild card. Five times the entries today and tomorrow – and they kind of give you a roadmap to how to have a much better chance to win the giveaways uh, coming up on the weekends. And I'm talking about the 80K Winning Resolutions giveaway. 
The next drawing is happening again on Friday nights. So get out there, play with your wild card. If you can do it today or tomorrow, that would be very helpful. But everybody, you know, still has a shot to win who goes out on Friday nights. And, uh, again, they've got 80K in cash and bonus play on the line Friday night in the 80K winning resolutions giveaway. We have a show at the Showplace Theater coming up this weekend that sold out. Joe Coy, uh, you know, unless you know some way to get tickets, uh, a buddy or whatever, but that show is sold out for uh, this weekend, this uh, Saturday. And then you've got in February, Air Supply and Scotty McCreary. In March, Jay Leno with uh, special guest Rita Rudner, Jim Gaffigan, also coming up in March and April, uh, new shows that were announced uh, last week for Ryan Bingham and Kip Moore, and then in May, Brantley Gilbert. So, apologize for the voice today. I'm having problems breathing and speaking. So, that's problematic. Okay, uh, so the Thunder, again, they went 102-97 over Minnesota. And we're watching the game, and... He gets to the fourth quarter, and the last thing I remember, Oklahoma City was down 12. And then I wake up, and I kind of, you know, from the haze I was in, what? Oh, we, oh because I saw the interview with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the one that's been going around with, you know, J-Dub saying MVP and the smile on his face. And then Chet says, let's, that's enough. Let's go. Let's go home. Um, that's what I saw, and I thought, so Oklahoma City won the game, and Shay's over there in her easy chair. Yeah, they they won the game. You missed it. And she said, too bad you don't have to do a sports show or anything. Mr. Sports Guy falling asleep during the crucial moments of the game. But holding Minnesota to 14 points in the fourth quarter was fantastic. This team, 29-13, and 13, on a pace to win 56 games. Nobody would have thought that. I said 47 and 35, and I thought, well, is that a little too optimistic? No, <laughs> not, not nearly optimistic enough. They play Portland. They beat the Blazers by 62 in their last meeting. So Oklahoma City's back home for Portland tomorrow night, Wednesday at San Antonio, 8.30 on ESPN, Chet versus Wimby, 8.30 tip Wednesday, Friday at New Orleans for a 7 o'clock tip, and then Sunday at Detroit. That tip has been moved to 1 o'clock in Detroit. So everybody can see the uh, Lions and the 49ers game. So there you go. Okay, 405-651-3439. Ken Meyer, Chevrolet text line. Yankee Sooner says, Baker balled out and shut everyone up. BV won 10 games and had another top 10 class. Heading into the SEC with some big mo. Lots to be thankful for, Sooner fans, so let's stop worrying about the outside stuff we can't control. Good takes today, Six Steely. Oh, and if you don't read this on the air, I'm going to cry. Yankee Sooner, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Sooners get some momentum. You know, they <laughs> they were in every game. Now, you also have to look at the games that they almost gave away, like the UCF game. Sure. SMU was right there with OU through three quarters. But it could have been better. It could have been better, and the Sooners did beat themselves in those games. They've got to solve that issue. So we'll see what happens. A listener in the 805 
says, can't <laughs> Realtor Chris says, please never text again, Yankee Sooner. What's He's joking, Yankee Sooner. He's being sarcastic. Come on, Realtor. Realtor Chris we is being sarcastic. We don't need a bunch of negativity out there. That was Yankee Sooner just spread some sunshine. Sooner sunshine. An 805 listener says, and that's a California area code, by the way. Can't help feeling NIL and Portal have ruined college sports. Maybe once a balance is achieved among what major programs will pay per position, it will be just like a scholarship used to be. I'm a slippery slope guy, and I think we're sliding down that slope. But we'll see. Like we've talked about ad nauseum, we haven't seen one program really win big basically using let's throw a ton of money and NIL out there yet uh, because if that does take over that's not going to be fun not going to be fun at all Clint in Tulsa says I've had my fill of close disappointing losses pumpkin spice wearing ooh you hurt my feelings with your horns down gesture psychophants Channeling my portion of Sooner Magic to Javian McCollum and company. There you go. Well, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, ESPN. Hopefully the weather, you know. I was hoping to see the sun today to melt this stuff. And the roads look a lot more passable now. But can that is that what we can call Texas now? The pumpkin spice Aggies? Yeah, I like that. That's pretty good, Clint. Not bad. Any win over Texas is a good win. We know that. Realtor Chris says, Yankee Sooner, I apologize. And if you know anyone looking to buy or sell a home, I'm here. There you go, Realtor Chris. Good ad. Good ad placement there by Realtor Chris. Big Rich in OKC says, Tiger Tail and Thune at noon. By the way, Big Rich said he was not angry. He's just trying to see if it'd be easier to see and read. Hey, I mean, that's a good point. I guess, you know, mm-hmm. you want your text read. Yeah. Going all caps is a way to get Go it noticed. Old man. You need to get the old man keyboard on your iPhone or your Samsung phone. Android or Apple, just search for the old man keyboard, and it will type nothing but capital letters. That's it. It's funny. If you ever read a text from, I think it's Softball Steve, every time he goes to uppercase to type, like, for instance, OU, he doesn't go back to lowercase. So halfway through the text, it can be regular, you know, normal caps up until then. And then the second half of the text is like it's shouting. <laughs> oh, so good. By the way, I was listening to T-Row this morning, and uh, I don't know who the guilty party was, but T-Row was like, he said, by the way, please don't, like, text me during a game. I don't know who the guilty party was. But I guess when you're doing play-by-play, you don't want to see text, whether it's a break or not. I see people tweeting at the announcers a lot, like T-Row or Plank. Now, Plank, you know, a lot of times during softball will say, tell us where you're listening from or whatever. I get that. But some of them like the T-Row, hey, what was that call all about? Like, dude, he's on the air. He's not going to go, well, Bill, that was, you know. Have you ever tweeted at a broadcaster doing play-by-play? No, but I, I, I did game? meet somebody at the All-American Bowl that had two phones. I was like, maybe I need two phones. You need a burner? Not a burner, but just like anybody whose text I know I want to or need to answer, 
I'll just give them the one number, and then everybody else can have the other number. I just I look at some of those, and I get kind of a half chuckle when I see, hey, T-Row, what happened on that last possession or something? I'm like, uh, he's, he's actually on the air right now. So it might be difficult to answer that. So, so anyway, all right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Clint says that Tyler McComas is – who deserves the credit for pumpkin spice? Wow, okay. That's Bad pretty props, good. Tyler. No uh, bad. Sooner Co. Wetzel says, I know ODOT catches a lot of crap, but hats off to them today. Insert KD, you're the real MVP gif. <laughs> That's good. All right, break time. We've got one more segment to go. Thanks for putting up with this uh, completely annoying voice today. It's I took the decongestant, and I still can't breathe. That's not good. Am I going to the doctor? Hell no. I'm staying right here and fighting on. Well, no, I can't say that. I am fighting through. I know. Wow. See, I told you. You just went there. I told you I was heavily medicated, didn't I? We'll be right back. All right, final segment, and again, I want to thank Oklahoma Generator for sponsoring hour number two, 405-321-6631, online at okgen.com, okgen.com. All right, uh, Jordan Love, man, what was he doing? The Packers were right there. They had a great chance to win that game, and yes – we saw the replay of Brett Favre in Minnesota make yeah, the same throw in New Orleans, right? It's very reminiscent of that that moment from Brett Favre. I'm not really sure what that was. I still remember it so vividly. They didn't even have to move the ball at all. If Favre just keeps scrambling, he gets four or five yards, gets Ryan Longwell that much closer. And yet, and yet... He decides to try and fire it to Sidney Rice off his back foot. Sidney Rice, that's right. That's what deprived Adrian Peterson. Dude, Sidney Rice was my favorite he player was back a good in the player. day. Like, it was him and AD. And he was easily my favorite receiver. But, man, he that one year, I think it was 2009, where he had like 1,300 yards as Brett Favre's go to guy. Where was he from? Was he South Carolina? He went to South Carolina. Yep. Uh, And Adrian Peterson was that close to playing for a Super Bowl. And Brett Favre, he'd had such a good year, too. Such a resurgent year. I Mm -hmm. think he was 39, barely hanging on. And granted, the Saints had bounty-gated him for an entire game up until that point, so maybe he wasn't quite right in the head, but... That's right. The bounty gate. All he has to do is throw literally anything but that pass. Who is the defensive coordinator for the Greg Saints? Williams. Greg Williams. That's right. Good recall. Pretty good. I've never been a Saints guy. They're one of the organizations I just – I don't like Louisiana in general. My wife is a Saints fan. Well, I give her I'm sorry. Plenty, I give her plenty Very of crap sorry. For it. No, you don't have to be sorry. Okay, good. You don't have to be sorry. Well, I just don't like uh, my experience. One experience in New Orleans with the LSU fans was enough. I just, I can't do it. 
The text line is very upset with you for saying fight on, by the way. I know. Like I said, I'm heavily medicated right now. I'm not my normal self. Heavily medicated. With actual medication or with caffeine? It's with caffeine and, like, (laughs) strong, like, decongestants mixed together. That's that's quite the speedball. It's probably not good. Probably not good. Yeah, my apologies. I the minute I said that, I said, "Oh my gosh, yeah, you can't say that." Fight through, yes, not the other one. How are they doing, by the way, at SC? How's the portal? How's everything going? I don't know. You tell me. He's holding up the V for victory as we speak. I folks. Know. no 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 no. He's no. got two fingers aloft. How are they doing? Shameless. I don't know. I I don't keep up with USC. You know, football. here's the problem. Mule shoe, they were so bad this year that we thought we thought what? That he would be maybe in line to get some NFL jobs. He's not even good enough to and get now, one. He's not even good enough to get an interview. So his, he's gonna stay there. His star has fallen quickly. Very quickly. Which I love. Like obviously. You don't you don't wish misfortune upon anybody unless they make themselves an enemy of the state, in which case I think it's okay. Yeah. And that's what Muleshoe did. You know, misfortune just being a lot of losses. Yes. We want the family and everything else to be okay, you know, but you a know, lot I, of losses. I Generally, I don't root for people to get fired, but I don't think I have to explicitly root against Muleshoe getting fired because financially he'll be fine for the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. So you know what? He can get fired. I don't even care. You know what? And he needs to thank the University of Oklahoma because the University of Oklahoma built Muleshoe. They built him. He's living in that big old mansion up in the California hills with a scenic view and a nice swimming pool and many other amenities because of the University of Oklahoma. I hope he ends up on the accelerated Jerry Glanville timeline where he's coaching D2 ball as a coordinator within five years instead of 40. But you're right. Man, I mean, you make that much money? If you run out of money, you're an idiot. That is generational money. Good for the kids. I'm happy for them. Not not Muleshoe. He needs to be back in freaking Muleshoe, Texas. Living there in that place. Maybe we should go do a remote mule shoe. Do you really want to? Like, does any part of you want to go that far out in West Texas? Do they have a Dairy Queen out there? I'm sure they have a Dairy Queen. I'm sure they have an Allsup's, which is the West Texas folks version of Bucky's or Quick Trip. It's the gas station that they all believe is vastly superior. Who was it that I saw that, oh, it was Lane Kiffin hit Bucky's for the first time. Did you see that tweet? I did see that, yep. He he was very impressed. Lane, if you're listening, I know you're probably not, but you need somebody to give you the run of the mill at Bucky's, let's meet up. Let's hang. Let's take a Bucky's road trip together. Is it a brazier brazier? Foods DQ or Rogue DQ? Good question, Chris. The old Brazier Foods was, uh, that's that's where I hung out. DQ back in the day. 
I haven't had a dilly bar in a long time. Sounds pretty good. A dilly bar. I had one at uh, at Kansas. Really? They served dilly bars in the press box at Kansas. Pretty good, right? It was freezing that day. Yeah. But it was also the only thing they had up there to eat by the time I made it up. So I had a dilly bar. Okay, everybody. Thanks for hanging in today. I I was not very good. Hopefully, I'll be better tomorrow. It's enough to deal with just a regular old man, but a sick old man. That's not cool. Thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino. Get out and play with your wild card today. Then get out there Friday for the final drawing in the 80K winning resolutions giveaway. Be safe out there, and we will see you tomorrow. Locked in, coming up next.